Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Hey, Paratruthers. This week's episode is brought to you by our patrons over on Patreon.com forward slash Paratruth. With their help, we are continuing to bring amazing new content to our listeners every week. So if you feel the urge to donate, head on over to Patreon.com forward slash Paratruth, where you can just donate only a dollar and get some amazing rewards for your donation. Go check it out. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views. And it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And we are starting a brand new series. And we are starting a new series called The World's Most Haunted. So we are going to be talking about different locations around the world that are supposedly, and I use this term very loosely, the most haunted location. Because in my opinion, I think almost every state, every country will say the most haunted location in the world or the most lo- haunted location in the U.S. or whatever. So I think it's kind of ridiculous, in my opinion, to even come up with that uh, title or moniker because every location is as haunted as the next. It doesn't. I mean, yeah, you'll get more evidence in certain locations, but whatever. Anyways, after my rambling on uh this week we decided to go with actually a local one for myself the san haven um tuberculosis and um psychiatric hospital that's here in north dakota uh we talked about it slightly in the last series just because we were talking about uh equipment placement and we decided to use San Haven as an example as to how you do a setup and that sort of a thing. So since you're the outsider looking in for this particular location, um, what's a little bit that you came across? Well, so first and foremost, the TB, it started off as a TB sanitarium. Uh, the, the part in which the disabled people uh mentally disabled people came in wasn't until much later down the road so it started off as just a tb sanitarium and it was first originally created in 1909 in north dakota uh as of about 1911 the governing board chose the the city of dunseith in rollett county as the official home of the facility but didn't actually open the doors until november of 1912 so we have a few years there of just pretty much creating the building. And then after opening in 1912, it wasn't until 1915 when financial support actually became a significant source of revenue for the sanitarium to help people. Uh, Now, originally, 
the sanitarium didn't have much in terms of uh, medical supplies uh, in helping people with TB. The old way of handling TB was to keep basically just just uh, prescribe people with sunlight and fresh air. Fresh air, yeah. and that was it. Uh, basically, it was a way to ease their, their, their bodies, their minds as they slowly pass away. That's what it was. Uh, and around the time it was about 50%, uh, of the patients who ended up surviving. Uh, now I don't know if that's official, but that is what is mentioned on their website. So around 50% of patients survived while 50% passed away. But according to ghost of North Dakota, the website ghosts of North Dakota.com in particular, uh, it is mentioned that it was actually a very nice place to be. It was relaxing. It was calm. There was, you know, people weren't actually bad people, as you often see in some of these sanitariums that we hear about nowadays. Uh, people treating mentally disabled people harshly or, you know, hurting the ill and things like that. That wasn't happening here. This was a place where people can actually go. It, it was it, basically what it was, was uh, they call them. Like a nursing home. It was a living arrangement for these people with TB. Uh, and it, it was interesting because it just wasn't until 1946 before the actual cure for TB showed up. Uh, and those are antibiotics that officially became a big thing and, of course, started helping everybody. And everybody was more or less, more or less had a 100% cure rate. And so in 1946, when the antibiotic era began, uh, the mortality rate for TB patients was dramatically reduced. And it was coupled with public health measures like clean water, improved sanitation, and health education, uh, which helped bring all the, tupro, uh, all the TB uh, things under control. Uh, but it wasn't until the 1950s, mid-1950s, that, the doors, that they then opened the doors for uh, the mentally ill. And they actually placed the TB patients on the bottom two floors and the mentally ill on the top two floors. So it, it, it was probably an interesting time because I'm sure some of the patients would wander from one place to the other mm. here and there. But there was never any like big, bad interaction between anybody. Uh, they kept everyone separated and it just was what it was. You know, it was a place to be and a place to relax. Uh, and eventually they ended up opening more buildings, new wings, things like that. Uh, they even had a children's sector at one point and more or less everything seemed fine until all the sanitariums started to slowly close down throughout the country, uh, mostly due to the lack of help uh, or staff uh, to keep those places maintained. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, before they closed down, Sanhaven was a very, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Not very well taken care of hospital. Um, a lot of people were living in their own filth half the time because the the staff was so minimal that they just didn't pay attention or they weren't able to pay attention because of that. Uh, actually, my in-laws were part of the group that helped shut Sanhaven uh down as far as keeping the mentally disabled there because of their oldest eldest son uh, was born with autism as well, a couple other things, and they started getting 
into organizations that was trying to help get rid of that because uh, the only thing to do with people at that time were to ship them off to places like Sanhaven because uh, parents didn't know what to do. Doctors basically wrote it off as your kid is not able to be reached. So they shipped them off to Sanhaven. Um, and it's kind of unfortunate because not only do did a lot of these people probably have more capability than what a lot of people thought as far as the, the mentally impaired was concerned. Um, I mean, it was just a, a sad state of affairs with, with San Haven. And I, I think that goes along the lines with any tuberculosis, tuberculosis hospital, uh, because a lot of TB hospitals ended up becoming, uh, mentally, insane asylums and that sort of a thing too. Um, Mm -hmm. So after it was shut down. um, And when was it shut down officially? I I believe 1987 in December of 1987 is when it officially closed its doors. Um, Since then, there have been numerous people going there to do paranormal investigations. Um, most notably, and Eric obviously knew this before I did, uh, Ghost Adventures went there to do an investigation. But there have been numerous teams here in North Dakota, and I believe outside of North Dakota, probably due to the Ghost Adventures investigation, um, that were able to get there to do an investigation. Now, a days, I believe it's completely shut down um, due to part that it's becoming in great disrepair. Uh, and I mean that, I mean, that's just pretty much common for any building that's not being used because what's the point in doing any, uh, upkeep on it if it's not being used. And the one thing that's well, kind of funny, and, and I'd have to say, I'm sorry, just, uh, okay. cut you off for a moment there. <laughs> But I thought I think it's interesting that it that it has deteriorated so much because in 1992. Now, of course, there were a few years between there. I think it was uh, five years uh, between the doors closing and the day that the state sold the site mm. to Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa. Yeah, which you would think if somebody was going to buy the property, they would actually do something with it. But instead, they did just let it sit and rot, basically. Yeah. And so here you, they are in North Dakota with this rotted sanitarium with so much land that could be used by the way, but instead just sits there. Probably I'm assuming, I don't know, uh, but I'm assuming it's a, uh, a protected property now, most likely yeah. a historical site. So, well, I, be- I believe ghost adventures got in there obviously after, uh, it was purchased by them, but, Oh yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I mean, I've tried contacting, People, I, I honestly don't know the correct people to get in contact with because when you were here for my wedding, I was trying to look into trying to get in there. Um, but I, I think that a lot of people have been turned away as of recent because of the decay. Um, and but what I was going to say um, is a lot of abandoned buildings here are just in disrepair, like. There's numerous houses that Shelly and I will drive by 
that were just left to rot because the family left. And I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere, but I mean, there's ghost towns galore out here in North Dakota because a certain boom happens and then event like a coal boom, or we recently had the oil boom here in North Dakota. And then once that fades away, the town that was built around it just faded into existence. So, mm-hmm. but uh, some of the stuff that, happens in San Haven is kind of interesting. Um, kind of a, a typical, if you will, haunting that as far as I've seen anyways, uh, people getting EVPs, shadows darting. Um, I do believe there's been a ghostly face caught here and there. Um, I, I don't know. Did you come across any of the stuff that people have caught on it? No, I mean, the pretty much everything you just said, uh, it, it was more or less just faces of people in windows, uh, shadows darting across corners or across the corner of your eye, even um, a feeling of nausea, uh, seeing orbs or apparitions being touched. And then it's mentioned that the most common place to seize most of these apparitions are actually in the underground tunnels that they had built to move patients from one side of the property to the other during the harsh winters in North Dakota. So something that um, I felt we could cover on this and it's an interesting thing to, to talk about is a lot of these TB hospitals, not even just San Haven um, have these, these hauntings um, in your opinion, do you feel that what happens at these places, it's, it's what's really causing these hauntings um, as far whether it's from your side, the demonic um, hauntings, or even if you come from the opposite side where it's just human spirit hauntings, what do you think is causing the, the hauntings for these locations? Yeah, I mean... So uh, the best way to come at this, I think, is from both sides. I mean, a lot of death happened there. And it's common, or at least a common belief, that demonic entities are going to hang around those negative times, those times where people weren't doing so well, where they were treated a little hard. Not that they were, they were treated harshly, but the environment wasn't very good. The water eventually wasn't very good. You know, there wasn't, they were understaffed, so people were constantly in need and there weren't enough people to help them. You know, so there was a lot of distress uh, you know, from these people, people who are sad, who are angry, who are frustrated, who are in need, but never really got what they needed. Uh, and then they died. And so, yeah, I, you know, demons feed off of that. And that type of energy, as it is said, continues to linger for many, 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 many years. Uh, some call them portals. And in this case, there would be a heck of a portal there for demons mm-hmm. to come in and feed off of. Uh, so why do demons like that kind of thing? I don't know. There's no one there to haunt. There's no one there to to really uh, oppress or anything like that, which can go against the theory of, oh, there's no demons there. Or, oh, there's demons there then. But still, I mean, these are places where there is a lot of energy, a lot of forces to feed off of. And that's something that demons like. Uh, on the other hand, again, distress. There are people, children who died there. You know, the mm-hmm. people who died there who maybe didn't get to finish 
you know, what they wanted to finish in their lives. Maybe they didn't get to say bye to somebody or they didn't get to you know, do that one last thing. And so they're stuck there for whatever reason, choosing to be stuck there. If indeed human spirits uh, can choose uh, why they would choose. I don't know. That's beyond me. It doesn't make sense to me either. Right. Uh, and, and that goes again back toward the whole demon thing. Cause there is a belief that demons choose to, or are capable of holding back spirits uh, from the resting place beyond uh, that of our own plane, earthly plane. So, I mean, there's a number of different reasons as to why this place is haunted uh, and a number of different beliefs that can help explain those. But in the end, we just don't know. And I think that's why everybody's trying to get in there to do investigations and why we investigate, why we investigate around the world as it is mm-hmm. uh, to try to figure out one, whether there is life after death uh, beyond simply faith, you know, but also why would people choose to stay behind? Because it wouldn't make sense unless of course they're destined for hell and they're trying to avoid it, which I don't know. I mean, it just depends on your belief as to what happens here. So, so, but as you mentioned, Justin, uh, a lot of these places that we see around the country, uh, especially, and even around the world, uh, but around the country tend to be these TB sanitariums, uh, which also may or may not house the mentally ill. Mm-hmm. And it's weird that these places in particular would be haunted the most because there are other hospitals, maybe not nearly as famous, but there are other hospitals that aren't nearly as haunted. And so do you think it's the, it's the history of death that haunts these places or is it the mindset of the people before they left? Like, is it the TB or is it maybe the mentally ill that are only hanging around there? Uh, you know, what, what are the circumstances in your opinion and understanding based on what evidence there is to support the paranormal within this location? Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chapotis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good poor. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Uh, well, the, the the TB people, I mean, I feel if they were believers in Christianity and what have you, um, I don't know that they would have stayed a lot of people that have a very strong faith i i feel would probably move on because they know how they've lived um i mean obviously if you've led a really crappy life and you if you do have the choice to stay and you're dying of tb obviously i i think you don't want to move on because you're afraid of what's going to happen um for the mentally ill or the mentally uh impaired 
maybe they just don't know. Or maybe they don't know that they've died. And, you know, they don't get that idea of moving on. Um, in, in my personal opinion, I think that doorway would open either way. But mm-hmm. um, maybe they don't know what it is. So they're afraid. They don't move on. And that's what happens. Um, I, Yeah, it it's hard to determine, especially with something like this. Like, for example... Like I said, say say we do get the choice. Maybe we do have that free will of staying here after we die. If it were a prison, I can see why you wouldn't move on from there. But from a hospital, uh, that's the only thing I can come up with is maybe they didn't know. Or if they were, like I said, a tuberculosis uh, sufferer and passed away, maybe they didn't live lead the greatest life and they're like i don't know what's on the other side for me i don't want to know i'm just gonna stay here um and i i liked the point that you brought up with demonic haunting is that they would be feeding off of the negativity that happened in this place um i don't know if there was any abuse at Sandhaven. unfortunately i can't find anything on that part of it other than the um um, neglect that happened there mm-hmm. I, and today we would know that as abuse but at the same time like we said there was not enough staff there so i mean there wasn't a whole lot of choice either that they could get to every patient every time of the day um so yeah i think that's where a good portion of it comes from um but who knows? Maybe somebody was just like, I like it here, which I don't know why you would do that for someplace that you suffered so badly. But yeah, it wouldn't make any sense. And and it, and that's assuming they're intelligent hauntings. Like, well, I was it, just going to say it, maybe they're just residual hauntings. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Which actually is interesting to think about residual, residual hauntings. Cause this is something we never really talked about in the past. Uh, but what exactly is a rigid is a residual haunting? Because now the belief is that there are spirits or energies that are stuck in a loop. But right. Does that mean that the spirit itself is stuck in the loop or just the energy that was once manifested there? Right. Kind of like a stamp on the time, space-time continuum kind of thing. Exactly. And it doesn't make sense because if – I mean, it's just – this one blows my mind like with some of this stuff. <laughs> is like people – and this is for nothing against anybody listening, but people who don't believe in God, for example – how can it be so far-fetched to believe in God, but not so far-fetched to believe there's a stamp in time that prevents a spirit from moving, you know, continuing on with their life after death and just repeating while other ones get to choose? It's like, it doesn't make sense. There, there's no evidence for it whatsoever either. And so it's just, it blows my mind. It's weird. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but the same thing happens over in like Gettysburg and stuff like that. People claim to see things that are residual hauntings. Yeah. Uh, troops marching across the land, gunfire, uh, people screaming, things like that. One thing that is mentioned in some of the research that I found in this one in particular comes from Ghosts of North Dakota. Uh, not this particular article, another article I was reading. 
but there were, there was a article about just photographs that was taken that were taken there. Uh, and, and they're not haunted photographs or anything like that. They're just random photographs. But one of the titles that I found underneath the photograph uh, was in the child sector. And there was a moment where birds were calling or chirping, or whatever, up mm-hmm. in this little sector. And from a small distance, and I'm talking only about 50 yards or so, the birds, because of the echo <clears throat> through the empty halls, sounds like little children talking. And so now there have been reports of children being at the hospital, children talking and things like that. But isn't there a strong possibility that it's already been debunked and that there aren't children there, that instead it's just these birds? And mind you, for those of you who say birds don't chirp at night, there are night birds. OK, that's it's a real thing. Uh, night hawks, for example, are a good one. Um, but don't you think that because of this evidence of birds chirping and sounding like kids, could be enough to debunk the idea that maybe there are such children's spirits there that are haunting the place. Yeah. And I mean, that's the one thing that I would always encourage people to, to, I mean, is it birds, is it go or child spirits? Who knows? Um, but that is a very good point for debunking stuff is, you know that 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 particular activity, as far as the birds, I mean, is going on, unless you've not done any research at all, which if you haven't, I, I would suggest that you listen to our previous series, Ghost Hunting 101, because <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure we mentioned to do your research. Um, yeah, I, I think that... Well, and then here's a question for you, too. Um, do you think that if we are allowed to choose to stay, do you think children's spirits are not given that choice and are automatically sucked up to heaven? I mean, I, I know your personal There's belief. Thing. There's <laughs> a thing, right? So, 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 yeah, I mean, that is my personal belief. De- dependent on age. Uh, and circumstance, whether or not you're capable of making the decision to believe in Christ. Uh, I, I think it's clearly, uh, or at least mostly clearly, uh, based in the scriptures, that if children are to die before being able to comprehend the idea of God and fully accept them themselves, then they would immediately be taken to God. And that was the same for the mentally disabled. Though, mind you, I do know of mentally disabled people who have been able to come to Christ. And trust me, when they talk about God, even though they're mentally disabled, and I don't mean like someone with, you know, OCD or, you know, something like that. I mean, these are people who are just out of it a lot. They bring up God and they talk like they don't have a single disability at all. But everything beyond that is so difficult, you know? So it's that, that in and of itself is amazing to me. But if that's the case, if children are... On a string, as the Bible says, all people, all spirits are on a string tethered to God. And, and when we die, there we go. And God will place us, heaven or hell, we have no choice. Um, but if that's the case, there has been a significant amount of investigators to this day and over the last few years who have come to the conclusion that any spirits that are children's spirits are not children's spirits, but are instead, Justin, demonic. 
Interesting, right? Yeah. So if we have all these children's spirits running around at the San Haven Sanitarium, could they just be a number of manifestations of these demonic entities that are hanging out there? I mean, it makes sense. Again, why would demons hang out there? I don't know. Maybe there's a portal. Maybe there's an energy source that they use. I mean, I don't know if demons need energy like the so-called you know, human spirits need energy because right. they're spirits from the beginning of time. You know, but uh, demons, I mean, right. angels. Because so what were they feeding on before exactly. that? If Exactly. So the only thing I can think of is one of two things. Either A, it's simply a hangout. Demons like to hang out sometimes and just relax, <laughs> I suppose. I don't know. Um, or two, maybe it is a portal and it's a portal into a hell-like dimension. And the reason the demons are there is because they are actually uh, causing suffering to the spirits that are already in hell. And it's just manifesting itself onto our plane, which is why there's residuals. One, maybe maybe one of the circles of hell, if you believe in the circles uh, based on Dante Alighieri's uh, poem, maybe one of these circles is a place where you repeat some of the drastic moments in your life. And in this case, maybe it's a, your death. Maybe, you know, it's a pulling a trigger, uh, killing somebody else or doing something, you know, and you're in these time loops that somehow, for some reason, manifest into our own plane, but is actually happening in hell. And it's through this portal that they show up. And again, that goes into a whole nother discussion as to where hell is, whether it's on Earth, in Earth, up, you know, under Earth, it, which is another time, guys. But... <laughs> You know, it, it's one of those things that you have to discuss and wonder, like, why is this happening? Why are there these residual hauntings? And why are there intelligent hauntings? Like, I know, like, I, even the intelligent hauntings, like what we see, there's no one actually ever asking for help. Yeah. They're answering questions, but they're not like, please help me cross over. or Hey, reach out to my loved one so I can move on. Or, hey, do this or help me get out of this place. I'm stuck here. You know, we don't hear that. On right. occasion, yes, we do. So I'm going to mention that so I don't have people coming back and oh, but I have evidence of uh, such and such, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I know it happens. But for the most part, it doesn't. And the only thing I can think of is, well, that spirit, all it's trying to do is grab onto whoever it is they're talking to and mislead them. Maybe. Maybe it's their way of saying, look, God doesn't exist. Well, why would they say that? Because it's not a human. It's a it's a devil. You know, trying to tell you, look, I'm real, but I can't, you know, tell, ask you to reach out to so-and-so because there's no one to reach out to, you know, because this person isn't real. You know, I'm not yeah. really the embodiment of this person. Um, I would be interested to see if anybody has ever gotten evidence saying, please contact my wife and tell her I'm okay so that I can move on or something like yeah, that. You know what? The only time and please anyone, if you do have anything like that, please let us know, but please don't send it to us through uh, some sort of uh, seance thing or like mediums and stuff like that. Cause I honestly, I'm not going to believe it. It's just, there's no evidence in any of the research that supports mediumship. Okay. To, to the extent uh, of what we're talking about here. Now, yes, I understand that there are people who do practice mediumship and a spirit will come through and speak through them and say, oh, my loved one, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but again, when you do the research, it's a 100% known fact that mediumship began, uh, in America at least, as a gimmick. It was a trick. It was a ploy. 
You know, it was just something to make money off of. And it was demolished, you know, many years ago before it slowly creeped back in, had its own branch spinoff. And now we have today what we have today. Uh, now, that's it, not to say that mediumship is it isn't real. The Bible clearly talks about mediums and talking to the dead. It's clear. But I think the majority of mediums who claim they're mediums aren't really mediums. They're just the fakes who want to be something that they're not. Um, and if that's one of you out there, shame on you for misleading so many people and stealing their money because you're a thief and a liar <laughs> anyway. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break here. You've been listening to Paratruth Radio. We will be right back right after this. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. If you like listening to beautiful voices like ours instead of reading words, then head on over to Audible where you can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash paratruth, where you can choose from over 180,000 titles for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. All right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. Per always, my name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we have been discussing the Sanhaven Sanitarium, uh, which existed between 1912 and 1987. Uh, we've discussed a number of some of the hauntings that have been happening here. And of course, we jumped away off the rabbit trail at the end of that first <laughs> half there. And I apologize for that. I am taking a breather now. Uh, but with that said, there's only so much we can really discuss here without having evidence to show you guys. Uh, and unfortunately, we do not have that because we haven't been there. Now, yes, we could have gone online. Uh, we could have found evidence. But again, without us being in a room where this evidence is caught, we can't come out and officially say that this is indeed evidence. Well, That's not only that. If we got it offline, there might be some type of copyright thing going on right. where we couldn't. Absolutely. Take it. Absolutely. Uh, so with that said, we simply aren't going to show you guys evidence. That's where we'll show you evidence unless it's something that we ourselves have picked up. Uh, so if you guys are interested in evidence and things like that, check out Ghosts of North Dakota. Check out uh, just Google Sanhaven Sanitarium uh ghost evidence or something like that. And I'm, I'm sure with the utmost confidence that you're going to find something online, uh, that'll give you some interesting stuff to feed your appetites. Uh, but beside that, we're pretty much done with sanitarium. And so we're going to wrap things up, uh, for this episode. So again, sanitarium, 1912, 1983, uh, 87, I apologize. Began as a really nice, relaxing place for people with TB. After the antibiotic era, things just kind of went uphill from there and really became trouble for the sanitarium. Yeah. It eventually ended up closing its doors. Many people died. The place was diminished. They didn't have the water or the necess uh, necessities to help people anymore. Uh, and in the end, they closed their doors. And now it's been sitting ever since as an abandoned ghost town. Uh if I'm not mistaken, it is more or less a public property. It is historical, but you cannot get into the buildings. But you can, if I'm not mistaken, walk around the buildings. Yeah, as far as I know, I believe they fenced it off now. Um, okay. But at some point, you were allowed to be there without contacting somebody. Or, I mean, maybe these people were getting in there illegally and just 
going there and doing an investigation or whatever. They, they had a lot of problem with people coming in and vandalizing the place. So I would understand. And that was back in the nine, early 90s, uh, okay. 92, 93, 94, you know, that this was happening. So uh, it's a sad thing. And I don't understand why people do that because you're vandalizing a very important piece of history right. uh, that should be passed down generations to be if you're not going to tear it down because let's face it history is fading these days it <laughs> seems you know kids aren't as interested in the history of this kind of stuff um but yeah nonetheless i mean north dakota man you're always telling me about ghosts uh about ghosts and ghost towns in mm-hmm. north dakota and for those of you who live in or near north dakota it's probably not a bad idea to take a walk not literally unless you can because it's a short distance, because there's a lot of road in North Dakota <laughs> and not much between it. <laughs> but if you have the means, you should go check out some of those ghost towns. And same in South Dakota. Uh, it's not much different. Uh, so definitely check those places out. And of course, if you have, if you're listening and you had done any investigations on this property, whether it's literally on the property or maybe you've done your own research, feel free to reach out to us because. Even though we're sharing our all of our info and research, we are learners. That's beyond yeah. teachers. We want to learn. Uh, and that's why we're doing the show. We're just people who want to learn more. So please feel free to reach out to us. Send us all the information you have that maybe we didn't cover or something that helps to solidify things that we did cover um, or debunk things we covered. I, anything is we're, we're, we're not grudgy so or if you are a part or of the organization that owns san haven or know somebody please get in touch with us because i would love to do a follow-up show where we've gotten some type of evidence to present to you guys from the different locations that we will be discussing over the next few weeks Mm -hmm. for sure all right, folks, and you can find us, like I've said for numerous times, pretty much on any podcast catcher that is out there. Um, we are on iHeartRadio, iTunes. I am working on getting on Spotify for Paratruth Radio, and um, we are on TMV Cafe, Fringe Radio Network, and, of course, paratruthradio.com. Anything further that you need to add there, Mr.? Uh, no, folks, just everyone have a wonderful week, and we'll catch up with you next Sunday. And my name is Justin. I'm Eric. Peace. folks just everyone have a wonderful week and we'll catch up with you next sunday and my name is justin i'm eric peace
Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.